When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 161. Uh, And what a treat we have in store for you today. With the season just one week away, we get the lowdown on everything you need to know with our very special guest. Uh, But before we get him in, let's get in the Moscow mush, Kevin Milberton. Uh, And also we welcome back Tim Bazance. Guys, how are you doing? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm alive. I'm kicking I was hoping for a little bit more of an you know, enthusiastic response there, Kevin. Yes! <laughs> That's better. Uh, Tim, how are you? It's good to have you back. Oh, it's good to be back. It's, uh, it's 5 a.m. here in North Carolina. Uh, the frogs are live and well still this mating. morning. Yes, they are out. Well, their mating calls are quite over, and now it feels like they're just dying outside. I don't, I, I, it, just, <laughs> as it, it just transitions to go from like a ribbit to a really loud squeaking sound that I just met just I feel like I hear dolphins outside but I definitely don't live on the ocean I live in, in the central <laughs> of the coast the, the central estate that is well I mean we can't hear them so it's fine that's good guys are you excited about the new season and you know to get back into this hectic routine I'm nervous <laughs> what about the, the show or about the, the season everything yeah 
Yeah, I am. I am, to be honest. But I mean, I went to St. Mary's yesterday. It was the first time back. And, and, and you know, it was right there that I felt, yeah, it's so good to be back. Seeing Prousey take a corner right in front of me again, it was like, yeah, it felt like I hadn't been away. So it was um, it's, it's good to get. I'm back. really excited to play us in football manager. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic because I think it's like playing on easy mode. <laughs> if you ever take buy the, buy all the youth up and put them in one area, it's basically it's much a, what, what Ralph is doing. Yes, exactly. Um, I think the majority of the team can't even drink in the U S which is crazy to think about because, uh, <laughs> uh, but beyond that, it's, uh, it's looking very promising in three years. Playing championship manager in order to prepare for being, uh, Championship managers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, uh, today we're going to discuss the arrivals, the departures. Uh, we're going to go through preseason um, and we'll get those predictions in. And to help us do this today, we have the Athletics Saints reporter, Jacob Tanswell. Jacob, a massive welcome to In That Number, and thank you so much for sharing your precious time with us. <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me on. I know uh, that was in different time zones, so I really, really appreciate it as well. Yeah, so uh, we got... Kev, what time is that over there for you? Uh, it's quarter past 12. Oh, it's not too bad for you, then. It's just, just gone lunch. Yeah, and it's uh, quarter past 10 over here in Southampton, in sunny Southampton. Um, and Tim, what's the weather like over there? Well, it's really dark outside and it is 90 degrees. So let me do some quick math off the top of my head. So it's going to be something like 28 Celsius. Uh, and that's it, it's still dark out. So it'll only get to about uh, 31, 32 uh, degrees Celsius that, here today with, oh with a little rain. Hmm. Don't like that. Um, anyway, uh, Jacob, how is life uh, with the athletic and, and covering Saints? Uh, yeah, really good. Thanks. Really enjoy it. I think we're just over a month in now. Uh, and it's just, I've covered Slampton before a couple of years ago. So it's just great to be back and covering a team I support is, yeah, it's one of my dreams. And yeah, really looking forward to everything getting underway and the new season starting, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been following you ever since you, you came on board with the athletic. And it's um your content's great. And Hence why we've got you on the show today. So it would be great to um, to have a chat and, and find out about our new players. Definitely, thank you. Yeah, could you tell us how you um, fell into your role at the Athletic? Obviously, you've been covering football for a while. What's your journey been like? Yeah, so I, I I used to play in the academy for Bournemouth just briefly, and I realised about 16, I was much better talking about it and writing about it than I was playing it. Quite a, quite a big difference, actually. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then I just started writing. I, I went to Eastleigh, uh, obviously locally, and I just started writing and just it, my passion just grew and grew. And then I briefly covered Southampton during the lockdown season, uh, going to games and writing and just really that's how I started to grow a bit more of a platform. And then on the back of that, I then had a season last year at Bournemouth, covering Bournemouth, their promotion uh, season, which was fantastic. And then obviously we've heard that that Dan Sheldon was going to be leaving and yeah, just got approached from there and it was a, an opportunity that I could have turned down. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's it going to be like playing Bournemouth for you? Is it going to be a bit? <laughs> no, it'd be great. They, they, I think they all knew uh, that I supported Southampton and uh, I'm from Southampton. So it's, there's no rivalry like that, but yeah, I, I do have a soft spot for Bournemouth for sure. So I do have one question. Uh, so thanks so very much for Jacob for coming on. Do you did you ever anticipate those two pictures of you being a little kid in the first article you got there on June twentieth would would be uh would be now blasted out to the world to see? <laughs> so, so for the description here, one of them is uh, him 
with quite the missing teeth in a, in a, in a white and red wig yelling and screaming in the stands, uh, which is a beautiful picture. And then him obviously rushing the field and looking like you are on uh, cloud nine at the moment. Uh, just I, I couldn't tell you exactly what uh, what year that was, because um, but that's still both pretty cool pictures that you got that you were able to show and share and connect with uh, the Saints fans. Yeah, that's the thing. I wasn't sure whether to include them in that introductionary piece, thinking, you know, for one, they're quite embarrassing. Two, <laughs> two do I really want to, you know, if fans start turning on me, do, they, do I really want them to see that type of picture? Because I know that will be brought up, you know, whenever <laughs> I do something bad. So I thought maybe not, but then I just thought, yeah, let's just go for it. And I think the first one with, you know, quite the the, the mile long gap in my teeth was uh, the <laughs> was um, Stern John keeping Southampton up in what circa 2007 maybe that was. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second picture when I ran onto the pitch was obviously the, the um that Coventry game. The promotion, so, um, yeah. Yes, promotion. Yeah. So those are the two stand up memories for me as well as Eddie Arcus's missed penalty, which I I said about. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I want to let you know that's what actually endeared me to you is your willingness <laughs> to be uh, vulnerable in the scope in the scope of everything being today's day and age. Uh, you know, on in, you know, once you put everything on the web on the, on the in the internet, yeah, you can the whole world knows. So I I appreciate that, and that really was it was pretty cool to see those two pictures. Yeah, and I wouldn't wor- I wouldn't worry about the Saints fans turning against you because we all know they turn they turn against Ralph straight away as soon as one result goes wrong. So don't worry, you're safe. That's good to know. But no, I thought if I'm going to be a Slamson correspondent, uh, I've got to show that um, I am a Slamson fan as well. I think that's something that fans probably wanted, and something I think they can build a rapport with. Absolutely. Just don't go to Manchester now, will you? <laughs> that seems to be the theme, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, so we've got, we've got a few seconds here. We're just going to start by talking about um, the ins and outs um, in the between the seasons. And um, I haven't seen many departures, really, um, from, from the first team. Uh, Fraser Forster uh, was released, as was Harry Lewis, Romello Mitchell, and my man crush, uh, Shane Lyon. Uh, who's since joined Reading. Um, Fraser has gone to Spurs, Harry Lewis to Bradford, and uh, Romello Mitchell, who, yeah, when he signed for us, we, we had such high expectations for him, but um, yeah, he's gone off to, to West Brom. Um, sent a few players out on loan as well. Uh, so Caleb Watts has gone to Morecambe, uh, Kazim Malekbi to Ross County, Dan Lindelou to Cheltenham, uh, Will Smallbone to Stoke, uh, Keggs Chalky to Exeter, and Thierry Small to Port Vale. Um, yeah, I mean, out with that lot, is there anyone that you were disappointed in losing? I think a lot of fans would have liked to kept, kept Fraser Forster, wouldn't they? At the yeah, time. yeah. And then you think, okay, maybe Gavin Bazuna mm-hmm. comes in. He's been, they've been talking to him since February. You think, okay, I can see why they've let Fraser Forster go. But other than that, I think they're all quite fair. I think Thierry Small there was a chance that he would hang around in first team picture, but then it became clear, especially towards the back end of, you know, Austria, uh, the Watford game as well, that he needed to go on loan. So I think they're all quite obvious uh, departures. And I like to think there, there will be a few more as well to come. I mean, I, me personally, Jacob, I, I was disappointed to see Kazima Legby go because he was fantastic for the B team last year. And I was yeah. hoping he was going to make that transition to the, to the first team this season. But, yeah. I mean, he's going to be getting regular football at Ross County, so that can't be a bad thing. No, definitely. I think 
you've seen what Ross County did last year as well, some slams and players, and I think the references they got, you know, they improved substantially after that because Ross County is a is a club that I think the way they operate is quite conducive to loan players, and Kazim hasn't really had men's football, so making the step up, you know, he's not exactly the biggest either. Making a step up to the first team seemed probably too too steep at the time. So if he just goes to Ross County, almost bridge the gap between uh, youth team football and senior team football, then uh, hopefully next year he'll be better for it. Yeah, and I was quite surprised with Will Smallbone as well, because, I mean, mm. him he, he's had a lot of first-team football. And, and Caleb Watts, Watts as well, I know he was injured last season, um, but he's had first-team football. Uh, mm. Dan and Lindeloo, I'm not so sure he's ever going to make it, in my personal opinion. Um, mm. he, he's at that age now where he should be playing uh, for us, but, you know, he just can't quite make the grade for some reason. Mm. I think so, too. I think he was a little bit unlucky last year. I know he, had, he went on loan, didn't he? And then a couple of days later, he did that hamstring, which ruled out for the rest of the season. So he's sure. not... He's not had the best of luck, but I think you'd like to think that now you know, he's back, he's returned to the club, um, he can really push on and have a have a better loan spell. And it's probably, uh, it's same as with a lot of players, really. It's it's kind of his last chance this season, so we'll be really interested to see his progress. If if Caleb Watts didn't have that injury, do you think he would have been sent out on loan again, or do you think he would have been given more of a more of a chance? I think he would still be sent on loan. Well, it's just similar to Small Smallbone because although he's been in and around the squad for a while, he, he had made 22 first team appearances in three years because of injuries. He needs to get first team football, and as much as I thought he was really quite impressive in in Austria, he he needed to be playing week in week out. And with the amount of midfield that Salamson have got, and perhaps they might bring even more in. It's not good enough to sit on the bench or be in and around the squad for another season. He's not really played that much for being, what, 22, almost 23. Mm -hmm. So I think with him and Caleb Watts, they do need to get first team football to play because it's all right being in the first team, but they'll be, what, restricted to Carabao Cup, FA Cup appearances at most, really. So, yeah, I think think it's a sensible decision. Right, OK. Signings then. Uh, this is what we really want to know about. Uh, we'll start with, with Gavin Bazunu then from yeah. Man City, 16, 16 million quid. Mm. Uh, I say we all knew that, that the loss of Big Fraze and, and Harry Lewis, they were allowed to leave, obviously contracts up. And it was essential to get a keeper in as soon as possible before preseason. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, mm. But what, what can you tell us about Gavin Bazunu? Uh, mm. you know, why should we be excited for this kid? Well, I was coming born of last year. Mark Travers was by far, in my opinion, the best championship goalkeeper uh, there. And I think he's superb. And I think he'll step up, step up to the Premier League quite easily. The fact that Gavin Bazunu is Ireland's number one, ahead of Cameron Kelleher at Liverpool and Travers at Bournemouth, I think that tells you straight away you know, how highly regarded he is and his, pe- and his potential. I know most Premier League clubs inquired about him at some point last season. In Everton were really, really interested. And I think Bazunu decided that he'd be better in a better environment at Southampton. So there's a lot to be excited about. The, you know, as I said, the fact that he's Ireland's number one, the fact that there's loads of Premier League clubs that were interested in him. And he's a guy that thought, OK, I'll be, be- better served going to Southampton where I can develop. And the way Southampton are playing at the moment, where their goalkeepers are, are, are frequently mm. outside the box. I think Alex McCarthy <laughs> made double the amount of pass, short passes against Monaco as he ever has done in his career in any game. So there's a lot to be excited about in terms of distribution. And Bazunu, that's one of his strengths. I was talking to a guy at Portsmouth and Danny Cowley would often say, Gavin, you've got to stand in your box sometimes because you're so eager to come out and be a third centre-back. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And it's a new wave of goalkeeper that Slampton arguably haven't had for a while with Paul and McCarthy and goal. 
yeah, and hopefully we can keep him around for a little little bit longer. Um, and obviously he's he's bettered himself from last season, of mm. course. Um, but <laughs> do you do you feel that he gets the start right away, or is it more likely that Ralph turns to to ah. Maka? Um, because if we're to go off pre-season, I mean, Ralph has rather deliberately played them both on and off and both mm. getting exactly 225 minutes each pre-season. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's just it is a toss of a coin in terms of what we think isn't it because there's nothing to suggest one or the other isn't it but um it was always going to be a shootout I think Bazzuni probably had the edge heading into pre-season judging by uh, him coming in uh, signing fans I think prefer Gavin Bazzuni judging by what you hear on Twitter that's not always the best barometer, I guess. Um, I, I, it's going to be between Ralph and Andrew Sparks, the goalkeeping coach, and a decision is likely to be made now, uh, tomorrow morning, you know, start of the week, on that, and then they'll start training in that shape for Tottenham. But if you have to ask me, I probably would go for Gavin Bazunu, but I'm not too worried about either, because as much as I know Alex McCarthy gets slandered and criticised a lot on Twitter, I don't think he's bad as people say he is. And he's, he's, he is adapting because he was a goalkeeper that would have come off his line and wasn't very good with his feet. And I think he's made a lot of improvements despite sometimes showing some teething issues. Yeah, I'm like you. I think Bazunu will start and that he probably would get my vote. Mm. Um, but I'm not I'm not so down on, on Maka. I'm not. Yeah, it's just I think his good outweighs the bad and people yeah. remember the bad a lot more. That's the, that's the way I see um, Alex McCarthy. Mm, I, I think so too. So there's a handful of players that are in a situation in terms of you always you always feel like you're looking out for that mistake and kind of neglecting yeah. the other 89 minutes or so. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, won't it? it will. Yeah, I mean that that leads me to the the, the next question about signings. Um, I, we've re-signed Willy Caballero for a, another mm. year and yeah. also brought in Mateusz Liss from mm. Altai on a on a free. Um, so, what kind of role do you see for the remaining two goalkeepers? Um, mm. We sort of suspected that Lisp was going to go out on, on loan mm. straight away, but that hasn't happened. No, I'm, su- I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet because that was one of the, you know, that was very, very likely in you know when he signed. So, I still expect him to go out on loan. Yeah, but I think that's judging by the lack of preseason minutes in the first team. Uh, Willie Caballero. I don't think he know. I think he recognises and understands that he's not going to play <laughs> unless something goes wrong. But mm. from what you hear as well, you know the reports you get from Willie Cabinet, they the, the players seem to love him in that change room. He's so so key. He's he keeps the morale up because towards the end of last season, I'm sure things got pretty tough in that change room. But he's experienced. He's seen it all. You know he's come in. Uh, he's signed a new contract to essentially be a mentor to Gavin Bazoon as well on and off the field. Uh, the way he prepares for games, his, his professionalism, he's really, really key. And he's almost playing that role of Stuart Taylor that was there for a couple of years back. Where mm. He's not going to play, but he's just good to have him around in the changing room. You see that a lot, a lot of Premier League clubs now. You know, Scott Carson at Man City, uh, Lee Grant at Man United a couple of years, for a couple yeah. of years. You know, these, these keepers are really, really important, even if they're not you know, making an impact on the pitch, so to speak. Yeah, it's almost it's almost as if we've got another goalkeeping coach there as well. Yeah. Just sign him up for another year. It's not going to cost anything uh, apart from the wages. And mm. yeah, and like you said, if something does go wrong, then he can jump in. It's it's, it's I don't disagree with it at all. I think it's great. Mm, definitely, I think he's a superb signing and you know a super guy. But from what you hear, yeah. Um, and more signings then. Armel Belakotchap from Bochum, uh, German under twenty one. Um, tell us more about him because I mean. Mm. 
played an hour against Leipzig, uh, second half against Klagenfurt, first half against Watford, um, limited time against Monaco. I think he came on the 77th. Um, and he played 73 minutes yesterday against Villarreal. Mm. Um, what have you made of him so far? I, I think he's good. I, when, he, when he signed, I spent about two days watching most of his game from last year. And the first thing that stuck out for me was, my God, you are very, very similar to Salisu in the way you play. Uh, it's oh, God, quick. does that mean he's going to get booked every week? <laughs> mm-hmm. Quick, front foot, aggressive, but he's lacking that passing uh, progression, which is something I worry about playing with a back three. Because you know, apart from Jack Stevens, who you know his future is quite unclear, it's not really anyone that can play out from the back. And if Salanton were going to sign a centre back, I thought they would kind of get someone in that mould. But you know, like Salisu, Bella Kocac's potential is vast. And you know, the way Salanton are playing in possession, you know, the two wing backs are pushing really, really high forward, which means that, you know the two outside centre backs in Salisu and Bella Kocac have got a lot, lot of space. So I think one of the things that comes across with Bella Kocab is he's very quick and he's very comfortable in, in manning large areas on the pitch, which perhaps Ben Nurek isn't, and that's why he's playing in the middle of the three. So hmm. I think he's raw. I think it'll be a risk to start him with Spurs, but it looks like that'll be the case. But you know, I'm not sure we're going to talk about it, but Jan Valerie, I think he's been really impressive pre-season and he could be perhaps pushing for a spot on, in the back three as well. Yeah, Bella Kocep seems to me that he's like a passion project of Ralph. It's just someone that he has to mould um, youngster coming in and something that he wants to get his print on and, mm. you know, turn into a into the defender that we need. I think so, too. But it's just whether whether <laughs> when they lose, if they're going to lose a few games and they get hammered, uh, will Bella Kocep still you know, keep his pace in his team? Mm. Yeah, I hope it's not another Kevin Danso. <laughs> Vagar foreign. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and foreign, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> then next up, um, yeah, Romeo Lavia. Very young and very raw. You've seen a lot of him in pre-season. What do you, what do you make of him? He's the one I'm most excited about, to be honest with you, because it's quite funny that Ralph doesn't think, you know, Oriol May can play as a holding midfielder on his own anymore because he hasn't got the mobility. So you think, like to think that Lavia's going to come in straight away. And for a guy that made has made, what, two cover appearances for Man City? He's going to be thrown straight in and he's going to play a lot, similar to what Tino Livermento did last year. Uh, I've watched a lot of him. He was too good, way too good for uh, Premier League 2 last year. And I've watched him a few times with Belgium under-19s. He looks really good going forward as well. He just looks like all action as well. And he's, he doesn't look like the type of midfielder that's going to shy away. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be really in, instrumental to the way Samson play, try to play out from the back as well. And to, to play out from the back and play in that position is... You know, you require a lot of confidence, and he's 18, so you know it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But he, you know, from what you hear, Pep Guardiola rated him really, really highly, and I think he wanted to keep him in his plans. But the problem was, it's going to be another two to three years until Guardiola deemed him mm. deemed him ready. So yeah, coming to Southampton, perhaps for a couple of years learning, I'm really, really excited to see where he goes. Yeah, I think you need to listen to Pep as well, don't you? Um, but when we when the transfer broke, I read your tweets um, and you said that he hasn't been pigeonholed into a set type of mm. midfielder, which could suit us. Mm. Um, does this mean that he's going to be given free reign across across the middle and change, you know, with with the game as necessary, or do you see yeah. him as a sole number six? I think Ralph sees him as a sole number six at the moment, but it depends on the system because at the moment they only play one holding midfielder where. I think the second half yesterday, uh, it's Ward Prowse alongside Lavia at times. So yes, I think that would that would suit Lavia as well because for Belgium he played a little bit further forward to the 
to the right of a midfield three, similar to what Aurora is doing now. And he's very good at timing his runs to get in the box. He's a very powerful runner without the ball as well. So I think he can play in a lot of positions in centre midfield, not just necessarily sticking him at the base of it. Yeah, and I saw him in the flesh for the first time against uh, Villarreal yesterday. He came mm. off late, so I got to see a lot of him. And I do like him. I mean, he, he doesn't look it, but he has got some strength there. And he yeah. looks like he's very good protecting the ball, and he doesn't mind shoving people around either. Mm. I think one thing that um, struck me when I watched him against Watford was he's very similar to Paul Pogba in a way. He loves to feel physical contact. He receives the ball, and his, yeah. his hand's always looking for some physical contact. He likes to shield the ball. And it's a little bit of an issue if... There's two players pressing you, uh, but in terms of holding one player off, he's very, very comfortable. And in midfield, where it's quite congested, I think that really suits him and suits Southampton as well. A lot of bookings come in there for shirt pulling, <laughs> I see. I'd imagine so, yeah. But he is quicker than Romeo, so he likes to think on counter-attacks, he'll be a little bit quicker in making those recovery tackles. Yes, and uh, Joe Aribo, I'm, I'm yeah. most excited about this kid. I mean, you yeah, tweeted the fact that, yeah, that he, he's played the most football on planet Earth last season. Um, <laughs> Very versatile as well. Yeah. So they say, you know, I mean, what more can you tell us about him? Because, I mean, that party piece yesterday, that goal against Villarreal was, was incredible. Amazing, wasn't it? I asked uh, Reba after after the game, said, what's your favourite position? And he, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders to him. Anywhere that I'm basically in the best position to shoot or make an impact. So I think he likes playing in a number 10 role. And he did that second half yesterday and he looked, he looked fantastic. I thought even against Monaco, he came alive second half. He's so strong. He's got this dribbling style that just bustles his way through players, and that was that was no, that was just so perfectly encaptured, you know, against in his goal yesterday. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's a deeply religious man. He's very humble. He's very quiet off the field. He work. He runs and runs and runs. He, as, as you said, he you know he played the most minutes in plan, on the planet last last year. So he on the face of things, you think he suits Ralph so so easily because he, he's adaptable he says yes to anything he's got a can-do attitude he's durable as well he can press he is the perfect rap artist or slams and signing isn't he oh i'd like to think so but i mean where do you see ralph utilizing him I mean, well where can we get the best out of him he, he played in the midfield three yesterday didn't he and i'm not sure yeah i like to see him further forward because he really make looks like he can make an impact you know in that forward area with assists and goals so I wouldn't be too against it if, it's gonna, if they're going to sit with that three-five-two system. I wouldn't be too against him playing up front next uh, on the gates first. Yeah, I like to see that. But uh, if it's the four-two-two, I, I like to see him in one of those number ten roles for sure. Yeah, I will. I mean, I don't like the the three at the back, the wing backs. I'm not sure that is the best thing that we can do, um, leaving that sole striker up front. But if he's roaming around behind him, then you know yeah. that's. It's going to get some bums out of seats, I'm sure. Mm. Similar to Stuart Armstrong in a way, isn't it? He's very good dribbling going forward. Yeah, yeah and the last edition, um, Sefu Mara from Bordeaux signed on a four-year deal for 11 million quid. Uh, he's only mm. 20 years old forward. Came through the youth system at Paris Saint-Germain. Mm. Uh, scored six goals for Bordeaux last season. Um Obviously, he's a, a late signing. We haven't really seen much of him. Did the play against Villarreal? Um, yes. What, what do you make of him coming? I think he's got so much potential. I know they're really, really excited about that signing because I don't think they saw that opportunity coming because they were they were looking at Emmanuel Dennis uh, for 20 million. I think that was the the, the fee that Watford were were suggesting, and Sekou Mara because of Bordeaux's 
absolute dire financial state as well as you know Slams being in the market for a striker I, I think he made really perfect sense he's not going to come in uh, and send me the guy you re- really rely on but at the same time he's going to be a guy that's going to feature heavily and you know you speak to people around him they say one of his best attributes is heading and you think if, you, if you're going to have wing backs who are going to cross the ball a lot I think that could be quite useful for the way Slams would attack so it gives you something different I think they desperately needed that striker, and he's got really big belief in himself. He he, you know, he turned down a contract at PSG when he was 12 because he wasn't playing as a number nine. That takes a lot. That yeah. takes a lot of courage, uh, faith in faith in your ability, <laughs> faith in your ability, and I think he's got that. So even when it was his 20th birthday yesterday, I don't think you know coming to Slams and all the Premier League is going to faith him too much. It, something I noticed uh, when they were doing the warm-ups as well, he looks well settled already. He looks like he was having a laugh and a joke with his with his new teammates and stuff. Mm. He looks like he's he's gonna. I know he's gonna need more time to develop, and you know you can't expect goals straight away. But mm. he does look like he's um he's settling in nicely. No, so definitely. I, I am excited. Definitely, because I think there's a, you know there's a French contingent there. You know, Jan Valery's a, you know, he, he's really a good guy by all accounts. He helps players settle in. He's, you know, he gives a lot of advice. And although he's only young himself, uh, I think he's a really good guy to have in the dressing room as well. And you know, you see from his stats, I think he shoots you know, the most, <laughs> you know, top four percent of any striker in top five European leagues. So you don't wow. think that's gonna that's gonna help sometimes when Slams are struggling to perhaps you know unlock the door. So just shooting from anywhere uh, would be would be quite good. He. I think he, really, he ranks really highly for pressing as well. So, uh, similar to Rebo, he, he looks like a perfect Arsenal signing. I mean, you mentioned that uh, Lavia was the, the one that you were most excited of these of these new signings. Mm. Um, uh, but was there, was there a player that you feel didn't get enough time in preseason? Obviously, Mara's only just come in, so I'll, I'll exclude him from that. But was there someone that you wanted to see more of? Yeah, Dinal Simu, I thought. I would like to see him a little bit more. I know they've got so many centre backs, but uh, he's one that, you know, going back to my point about perhaps not being the best at progressing the ball out from the back, he's one that I thought could could help with that. And I know he was he's only young and he only was in League Two last year, but he was really he had a really really good loan spell at Carlisle, probably the only Slamton player that's had a top top loan spell in you know the last couple of years. So he's one that I would like to see a little bit more. I think he only got one half against Leipzig, if I remember. And he's mm-hmm. probably going to go on loan. But, yeah, he's one that I would have liked to see, especially if Bednarik and Stevens do end up leaving. Yeah, and in terms of more transfers coming in, or indeed out, mm. uh, have you got any uh, latest reports on Liam Delap? He looks like he's going to Stoke, uh, from what you hear. Uh, from Dan Sharon reported yesterday. Now he's in Manchester. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's perfect for him, really. Um yeah, City do not want to lose him uh, permanently, and I think that speaks volumes of how much they rate him because they were prepared to let you know lots of Bazuna and Lavia go with, with buyback clauses. But uh, I think they see Lavia's, I'm um, sorry, Delap as someone that can come in and make an impact next year. So I think a loan to a Championship club. I know Burnley were interested, but it looks like Stoke are in advanced advanced talks. And fair play to Slanton because they've wanted him permanently. I don't think they were maybe too keen to get him on loan. I think oh, was that deal maybe would have happened and they put in a 16 million pound bid and you know that's that's a lot of money to spend on a striker that's unproven at, at, that, at this that level. did surprise me yeah, yeah. yeah it shows they have got money and sports republic are are backing them without necessarily uh, having to sell which is a refreshing change yeah um in your uh well you must have plenty of sources but is there any more signings imminent uh i think it, 
could be a could be a week where we see things move along. Uh, I'm not sure there'll be any signings, but I I would like to think there'll be more of an emphasis on players going out the door because there's a lot of areas on the pitch at Southampton that Southampton would like to improve and enhance, but they have to shift out a few. I think centre midfield's an option. Uh, centre back, of course, Levi Colwell was one that they really 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 like. Yeah, local lad. Yeah, exactly. They really like, but having what it's going to be five, six, even seven centre-backs for free position, that's way too much. So you have to get rid of what couple maybe on loan or Selwyn, Stevens, Bednarik's case. Midfield as well. Who knows what happens with Diallo? I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see. Number 10, I think Elianusi, he could be going with uh, Walcott, mm. with, with Redmond. They're, they're guys that could go. You know, I know Elianusi has been talked about a new contract, so that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think a decision either way will be made between now and, and uh, deadline day. So that's that could be a position. And, of course, the striker, which Ralph has made pretty clear that he wants another one. So, yeah, busy heading in and out the door. Who do you think we need most before the window shuts? What position? Yeah. Oh, I have to say, I have to say striker again. Um mm. Although there is a thing to say, maybe a winger if the Redmond goes, because there doesn't really seem to be that change of gear, that, that change of pace. I know Gineppo, uh has been okay in Prusina, I think he's been quite good, but he's the only guy that really takes players on out wide in 1v1 area. So I'd like to see perhaps change of speed, a winger, you know, tricky number 10, because I don't think there's that much creativity, although you know, Arebo and Stuart Armstrong are really quite good bustling midfielders. So... I think definitely not, you know, last third of the pitch is somewhere that Slamton needs to be more clinical and more creative in. So going into the summer, was there any consideration with Tino's injury and how they would approach a transfer strategy, potentially with whether yeah. it be a right right back cover or any fullbacks in general? That's that's somewhere I forgot actually. I think fullback is a position that Slamton will be looking for as well. But I know they're playing with wing backs and you can kind of get away with it because Gineppo can play left wing back. But I do think you need a, you do need a fullback because if Kyle Walker Peters gets injured, then Slamter are in trouble. So that's a position they're looking at. I know they've inquired and been interested in uh, finals. Marcus Pedersen, uh, see where that goes. Kabore uh, for Man City on loan, and then you straight away think, okay, Joe Shields' connection there that could be somewhere. So um, looking at those two players, I think Slamter might get someone in. Whether it's a short-term fix until Tino's back in, you know, perhaps next year after the World Cup. Uh, remains to be seen, but I think fullback is a is an area definitely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's something that we're worried about, to be honest. Um, I must must admit, I haven't watched every minute of the the preseason. I've been um, limiting myself to, to the highlights, so I'm really missing out a bit. But um, that first uh, match against Leipzig in Aust- Austria, um, yeah, Adam Armstrong with the only goal for Southampton as sort of a glancing header, wasn't it, from the mm. small bone. Um, but, yeah, letting in three. And uh, Bazunu pulling off a wonder save in the first half, I remember. And, yes. Uh, and McCarthy just, um, just being his usual McCarthy and letting in three <laughs> in the second half. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, yeah, is, is that a fair assessment, would you say? Uh, I'm not too sure about the, the McCarthy thing. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, you can't really take much away from that. It's the first, the first game of preseason. It was really quite. Uh, you, you can't, yeah, you can't take much away from that. One thing I did like is that Leipzig with their press. They did press a lot, and for the first game of preseason, that's quite brave. And I think it helps them to encourage them to work on their patterns of play, pass forward a little bit more because they tend to 
when a team sits back or it's quite a slow tempo, they do tend to become a little bit stodgy, don't they? They just recycle the ball across the back. So it was quite a good tempo from because of Leipzig's press. So I think that was a really good workout. Adam Armstrong, of course, scoring. I think he's been okay for you. He's one of them that hopefully can take uh, those. That's I know he missed a penalty in the, the next game, but he's hopefully yeah. one of those that could take it into into the season. But yeah, on the whole, the balance of play, they Southampton did okay. But you, you know, as I said, you can't really take much away from the first game of preseason, especially the the next two games. We had uh, Klagenfurt and and Watford. They were uh, both <laughs> nil nil draws. I mean, I paid for that Watford game, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> afterwards, um, I wasn't impressed with it really but again you know it's pre-season it's all about fitness it's getting used to new positions and Ralph's tried out new formations and stuff so we are getting to see the new signings you know come in and you know these new formations take shape. Yeah it wasn't the most entertaining okay of two games was it um the Klagenfurt one was good because you had the storyline of Patrick Carson until Ralph's son which I quite enjoyed and that gave me something mm-hmm. to write about uh, oh yes, and you had an interview with him, didn't you? Yeah, well, which I saw. Yeah, yeah, really, really good guy, and uh, yeah, it made for a, quite a good interest, an interview, I thought. But um, go back to game. Yeah, I think the five, three, five, two, was still into practice. And one thing you notice, similar to the Monaco game, is when the subs come on, Walker Peters, Armstrong, they make a huge difference to that way of playing. Walker Peters is Slams' best attacking outlet, in my opinion, and. I think it came on and he instantly pushed Klagenfurt back and it resulted in the penalty, which obviously uh, Armstrong missed, but that was okay. Uh, the Watford game was difficult because I, I was there and it was such a small pitch. It was so dry. It felt like there was 40 players on the pitch. There was no time with the ball and that's something that you're not going to see much in the Premier League because obviously the ground's better and bigger. So it was a really frantic tempo and not no team got their foot on the ball and just started to pay their way. So it was a bit, a bit ping pong, really, and you can't really gauge much out of that. But Slanton didn't really create much on the flip side of things. And it, one positive was that James Ward Prowse was back, despite some rumblings on Twitter <laughs> who didn't believe that he was injured yeah. in Austria. So that, that's always a positive and a relief. Yeah, and the the game against Monaco, fantastic second half, of course. And then yesterday, yeah. uh, the Villarreal game. I mean, I was sat next to a guy who's, when Saints went 1-0 down, he kind of, his his mood just dropped. And <laughs> the, the abuse started right away. There was a lot of shouting at the referee. And it was like, oh, good. It's, I'm glad to be back now. Yeah. But a lot a lot of panicking already. But I'm, I thought the, the, the Villarreal game was okay. I mean, the Villarreal are a good side. Mm. Um, Obviously, they've got um, uh, you know Real, Emery yeah. uh, managing decent side Villarreal, Europe, uh, Europa Conference League team. Uh, but I, I was quite impressed with it, and we had a lot of good spells in that game, especially when, when we equalised and then we, we you know we got a second which was ruled off. Mm. But that, that, from that point, that spell, we looked really good. Mm, I, I agree, and but maybe it's because some to live further along in their preseason preparations in Villarreal. And that which kind of allow them to come on stronger straight away after the second half, but take nothing away from them. I, you know, I think it's really good practice for the Spurs game because Villarreal fantastic on the ball. They're really ball hungry, and the way Sam's are playing, they're not pressing quite as much now. They've kind of tailored it, so they're getting used to working in a defensive shape without necessarily pressing all the time. So being nice and compact and stuff like that. So that first half, although Villarreal went were you know were leading. I like to think Salanta were quite organised the way they in their shape. They didn't get played through too much, only on counter attacks and down the channels, which obviously which resulted in their goal. 
So it was really quite a good dress rehearsal almost because I think that's what the way Slams are going to approach the Spurs game. So a good difference, a good uh, contrast of styles to what they faced. You know, I've talked about Leipzig who pressed completely and they didn't, weren't really interested in having much of the ball, whereas Villarreal were. So I think Slams have experienced quite a few different challenges, which hopefully should stand him in good stead. Oh, yeah, and at the same time, I'm trying not to be too uh, panicked about it, but there is, I mean, Saints broke quite a lot in that VRL game and mm. they looked like they were going to do something with it. And then, of course, it went backwards again and it was just being recycled along the back. Uh, wasted opportunities. I am quite concerned with the fact that we haven't got that creativity still. Like, like They don't seem to know what to do when they get in those deep positions. And mm. it almost seems to me like I was thinking the only way that we're going to score is from a set piece or from a VRL mistake. And, of course, that didn't happen. So is that something that you're concerned about, like <laughs> lack of goals again? How many times have you said that, that you think Samson are only going to score from a set piece? So I think that's um, yeah. it's kind of the thing, really, in recent years. It is, I always think to myself, if Samson are working their way in and around the box and they need someone just on the edge of that box just to take a deep breath and play that pass through who's got the composure and the quality to do it and I don't really see that player they haven't got like a Tadic anymore who can just every, whilst everything else is just rushing and busy around him who can just calm down and just thread that ball through so I do think they miss that tub, little tub, a bit of guile in their play I know Stuart Arms was really good I really think I, I love him I think he's a fantastic player but he, yeah, me too. He, he's a little bit I don't know, he's a little bit rushed and panicky sometimes in that final third. So it's just something, something that can just calm down. It's, it's something Slamton's still missing. And, you know, I think one of the counter-attacks Slamton had last, uh, yesterday was Musa Gineppo, where he just got the ball and ran and ran and got that free kick. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. But maybe when you get into that position, if you have someone that's just a little bit calmer who can just pick that pass to one of the strikers, then I think that Slamton will hopefully score a few more goals and create a lot more chances out of it. Here's yeah. hoping. But on the whole, like pre-season in general, um, mm. were, you, were you happy with it? Oh, I th- it was OK. If that's what Harsenson wants to go, go with. I'm really surprised that he didn't change the system. I know he tweaked a little bit second half yesterday, but go to a back four at some point. Because if you have a bad start to the season, I'm sure a lot of fans will start saying, get rid of the back three, get rid of the back three. So, they already are. <laughs> well, yeah. So <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't. Um, it's been okay, and as Ralph said yesterday, uh, there's, there's been times in pre-season, other pre-seasons where they've, they've smashed opponents and then they rock up to Burnley away and they're woefully underprepared. So, so I, I think time will show uh, next week against Spurs and um, the month of August. So it's been a pre-season that's been pretty standard. I, I was never expecting so too many goals and I wasn't expecting too many goals conceded either. So, yeah, it's, it's been all right. I, yeah, just just going into that my first game against Spurs, um, where would you, what would you put your money on? Um, is he going to stick with a back three, or is he going to revert to the classic 4-2-2-2? I, I think he sticks with a back three. I think it'd be, it'll be strange if he went to the 4-2-2-2, despite not practising it once in pre-season. That'd so, be very rough thing yeah. to do, though, wouldn't that? <laughs> I think I think he'll stick with the back three. The wing back I think is interesting because Perot he's not had much game time. He's been injured a lot, and Gineppo's done well. And Spurs you got to remember they play with a back three and wing back, so Slams are going to match him out. It's going to be one v one out wide. Whether Gineppo's good enough to be one v one defensively against Jed Spence or Kowalewski is a different matter. But I do think Ralph is going to match him up because I think they played a back three. I went to that game. Last year at home Spurs with Valerie at centre back at, before Salisi mm-hmm. got Salisi got sent off, and that's that, right. that seemed to work quite, really quite well before uh, he got sent off for uh, the red card. So 
I, I like to think it's going to be similar to that and how uh, Ralph approaches it. Let's just hope it's not not that high line again and Son and Charleston <laughs> and Kane just get get there oh. get around and uh, completely pump us. But yeah, Tim, have you got any questions about preseason at all? Yeah, I guess they experimented and we played a few a few times last year with the three five two or the five three two, however you want to see however you want to see it match uh, line up as. Do you know? I guess the 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 emphasis of him wanting to look for a three five two and transition yeah. away from his traditional four two two two. Uh, and specifically, is there something with this year or a transition um, and maybe in the backroom staff seeing something? Mm. I think I think I'm right about that. I think it's purely you know, the, the fundamental reason is because he wants to be better defensively. I think that he's kind of fed up looking so at, looking at a team that's really quite vulnerable and they always seem vulnerable. And when they're not playing well and the confidence is low, they get ripped apart a lot because the press then malfunctions. So I think that's... The, the reason and then I think I asked Ralph yesterday about the impact it has going forward and he says one less player in attack hampers the press so we can't press like we used to and that's something that is going to be really interesting to see how that how that pans out because Slamson's press is what has been their bread and butter for the last four years so he's slightly changing away from that and relying on you know back three of Bedrick, Salisu, Bella Kotjap and then Lianka and Stevens to come in uh, is is a risk but if if they're confident, I've got a piece coming out on Ruben Sellers, the new assistant manager. And I spoke to a few of his old players and they say he's really, really good at training a defence in terms of their position, their shape. So that's something that's you know, to keep an eye on. And hopefully that's something that will benefit Slanton too. Excellent. Um, right. We've got some questions now from our listeners. Uh, Tim, you're going to reel these off. How would you describe what your writing style is? And I guess you grew up being a Saints fan, but really what inspired you to become a writer and I guess ultimately want to write for the Saints? Yeah, so I think my writing style is, is different to uh, the, my predecessors, so Dan and, and Carla. Carla, I'm probably more similar to in terms of I like the tactical analysis stuff. I like to do features, really do quite deep dives into that type of thing, where Dan's superb. He's a superb news collector and he, he wrote some really, really informative pieces. And I, I think I'm probably in the middle of the two. I'm not quite as uh, eccentric in writing style as Carl, but. Uh, I, I do like to, and I enjoy writing about that. And the reason why I got into into writing because I, for my 12th birthday, I was given a tactics board for, and that's my main birthday present. And I thought that's a little bit strange, a little bit geeky. <laughs> so I always, I always liked the other side of football and analysing games and looking at, oh, why didn't, why did the manager do this? Well, why has he done this? What's the new style of play? And just put a little changes and looking at things deeper than just a game of football. So women's football, beating football, uh, the academy, the you know, Slampton Foundation, for example. I love everything about the club rather than just always the football on it. So that's what's really got me into writing. It's something that I'm extremely passionate about. I think journalism, especially now, we're, mo- we're moving away from match reports and stuff like that. And we, we have more scope to, to do the things that are really informative and really deep and in-depth. So that's something that I'm really keen to do and that's one of the reasons why I decided to join the Athletic because they're they're the best at it in my opinion. That's absolutely fantastic because it's a great lead into the the second question is is that uh, if you had been a fan and being a writer of the team how how is it 
uh, what is it like to be impartial? Or yeah. Do you have to be completely neutral, or can you mm-hmm. talk and be really just own up to what you, uh, I mean, to what you really say and feel? Because I feel there's mm-hmm. a few articles, like the alarming implosion right off the bat, that the, the obviously the headline there, but then uh, the build-in from it. But then there's the Theo piece and some young the young players article. Mm-hmm. Um, just those are the ones that stuck out off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, just how do you how do you balance how do you balance all that as being a writer? I think it's difficult. Um, last, last, um, my last piece about the implosion stuff. I know the headline was like that, but there was no real, there was no criticism. It was just a balanced and quite fair, accurate uh, assessment of, of Ralph's current set of circumstances. So that's probably something I got better at because if I, was, if I was writing that a couple of years ago, perhaps I would show a little bit more, you know, bias. But now I'm looking at it from an outside perspective. I think it helps that I've moved away for, and come with Bournemouth for a season, so I'm not always so involved in the club. I can look at it from an outside perspective, and you know. And I think that helped. And covering Slams in a couple of years ago, I was quite biased. I would say, you know, make statements that would get me, you know, maybe might get me a few likes on Twitter, but it's not really that professional and nor is it very assessment, fairly accurate. I'd say, you know, Danny Ings, best striker in England. He deserves that England call up where maybe that was me being a little bit biased and my Slams fan talking. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been it's been difficult, but having that year away, like I say, it's allowed me to have that perspective. And now, although I really support Southampton, I'm not quite as, you know, when I'm watching a game, I'm always thinking about my job and what I can write rather than just getting swept away and wanting Stuart Armstrong or Adam Armstrong to score a penalty, you know? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you're going to do an article here on Ruben Sellers here in a little yeah. bit. Um, but if without maybe exposing or giving too many secrets away from that, uh, the question was really about what is the ba- the back office and the shakeup for this past offseason? Mm-hmm. And what are the changes you think that the new staff will help and attribute to the team going into the new year? Listen, I think there was a obvious and accepted uh time to change at the end of last season after after the Leicester game. I think everyone knew inside the state we outside in the fan base that things had grown stale. Ralph needed new impetus, new But support, Calvin Davis, I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's a he's a legend and it's it's tough but I I applaud Torch Republic for doing that because the easiest easy decision would have just got been to get rid of Ralph. But they decide to take the more the, the longer option and get you know, change the whole backroom staff and uh, you know, Carl Martin He's really high regard. He, he trained. He was shadowing Ralph not last year, but the year before that. So he knows the Ralph style particularly well. Then he went back to the under 18s last year. Had you know really good success there. And now, unlike uh, I think it's Calvin Davis, he's going to be replacing in that type of remit. He's now during games. He's up in the uh, by the itching with the analysts and he's feeding back information. And he's the guy who's in charge of. Slampton in possession. So I like to think that Ralph's given him more responsibility then, but maybe he previously did under the, the previous three coaches. Alex Clapham, he was a the other first team coach. He was a journalist. He used to write, he's got his own website he, on tactical analysis. He's really in depth and he knows all the nuances of the pressing system. So you like to think having someone that well versed in it, as well as doing set plays, as well as being in charge of everything dead ball, is another way of Parsons was shoulders from doing absolutely everything. And just lastly, Celes, he's been in ten been at ten different clubs, seven different countries, and he's only thirty-nine. And he's not just been an assistant manager, he's been a manager, he's been a fitness coach, he's been an analyst, he's done so many things and he's got such a varied skill set that you think he can only be better and 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 improve. And from what you hear, I think the players are, are really, really impressed by by him. So that's hopefully something that Slamson can 
be ha- be happy about and take it into the new season as well. That's uh, that's fantastic because, well, on top of that, what else uh, should we be optimistic about going into the new year? The, the international oh. break, I think. <laughs> Uh, just the young players, because although it's a risk, it's so, so exciting. And I said this last, I said it this season, but especially compared to last year, it didn't feel there were many storylines around Southampton, apart from are they going to finish 13th or, or 17th. But nowadays, you've got a lot of young players coming in. Potential Ralph looks like he, you know, he, hopefully he's going to be re-energised. He can, he can get that you know, smile back, that get that passion back and... If they can go on a run of form and actually, rather than win four out of six games and then lose the next ten, they can find a bit of consistency. And that was, that's the thing Slams the searching for. That's the thing that I really want more than anything else. Just being a team that is stable and it doesn't have to veer from one result to another about questioning Ralph's future or not. So would you say stability is the biggest concern that the team needs to address or take care of going to the new year? Yeah, I think since Ralph's come, it's just fluctuated like you wouldn't believe, hasn't it? It's, they, you know. Last year, they were in a good position. Season faded away. After this year in February, they beat Spurs. I know the hierarchy were really, really keen to like let's just kick on now. Let's use this as a springboard, and then it you know, faded out again, didn't it? So that's something that I think Southampton need to do. And if they can get have these runs of form where they're really, really good, and then when they drop off, they're still managing to eke out draws and not just lose comfortably and get hammered every week. That should serve Southampton better, and it could be the difference from between finishing 17th and in the top 10 as well. So, if a top 12, top 10 finish, if you offer me that, I'd, I'd certainly take it right now. I think we all would definitely take any. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think any non-relegation place is always good to be <laughs> just 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 at a, at a at a baseline and then build Progress. from there. But mm. yeah. Definitely. All right. So a little slight pivot away from what we've been talking about, but I'm really uh, with working with the athletic and a subscription type service. Uh, it's 2022-2023 season here. Uh, piracy is still going to be a big issue for both journalism and for television. Um, what trends do you see anticipate in sports journalism for the future? And then if there's anything specifically related to the Premier League or the athletic that you can share about that, um, obviously, for those who are here to support, you know, quality journalism and having the athletic being no, uh, purchased by New York Times as an American, seeing all that, it's just really curious to see how that would play out for a New York perspective. Mm, obviously, the athletic got has been taken over by the New York Times uh, earlier this year, I believe. So I, I'm not sure how that would influence it, but I think that's it can only be a good thing. Um, I do think subscription-based models will be the future because I know a lot of people tend to raise their eyebrows at the athletic charging to read articles but it's the same as reading anything else in the paper if you get a paper every day it's a lot cheaper than that and you've got access to podcasts to you know thousands of different articles and with subscription based it gives you the license to not do as many articles but make sure they're really really high in-depth high quality so you know that it's not just going to be in a newspaper where you're limited to a word count you, you know, you can put as much attention, as much effort into any piece you want. There's, a, there's one piece that I'm hoping to do this season, and I, I, won't, I won't say yeah in case it doesn't come off. Come off, but it's going to take months, and that's the the thing of a subscription model. You you are afforded months to do the pieces that fans really care about, rather than just rush it and think, okay, I need to get you know a certain amount of articles out a day. So I think that's where journalism's going. In terms of piracy, you can't help that sometimes, but 
I'm not sure if it's too much of an, of an issue in terms of screenshot and stuff like that. So um, for £1.99 or whatever it is at the moment, I think it's it's really extremely good value. And if you like in-depth features and like to know everything about your club, uh, yeah, I think it's perfect for you. So Sports Republic, uh, the multi-club ownership model, so City Football Group, the Red Bull Empire, uh, what are you th- the thoughts on the Saints progressing towards that type of uh, type of ownership model? If that's uh, anything coming up down the pipeline within the next calendar within the next calendar year or the rest of the school the rest of the season, and I guess how what do you feel about that as a as a means to the future of football? I think it's good because Slamson are the the focal point of, of this multi multi-club model if they were one of the feeder clubs then maybe you'd have a have an issue but the fact that they're, they're the best and they will be the, the club that every other, all the other clubs will be looking at and they'll maybe their best players will come to Slampton or you know and you can loan players out I think it's, it's a really really good model I think Man City you know obviously Slampton's to a lesser extent but they, they've had really good success as well so Sports Republic are proactive um, and that's a good thing about multi-club model. You can't just sit there and take your money. You've got to be proactive. You've got to make sure every single area of your business is improving. So Samson and Sports Republic are going to be more hands-on than Gal. Gal was, although I'm not sure that's that's too difficult. <laughs> um, but also at the same time, though, they're giving uh, autonomy still to Martin Simmons, to Matt Crocker, to uh, to Ralph to, to a lesser extent as well. So. I think it can only be a good thing. And something I think Slamton fans should be happy about because they've always invested in youth. Youth Academy football has been arguably their best USP in, in recent years. And having a multi-club model should early improve this. So, yeah, for sure, I think it's, it's a good thing. And hopefully we'll start bearing fruit sooner rather than later. So there always seems to be one, two, maybe three players on the season who te- tend to be the scapegoats. Uh, I think we've <laughs> yeah. talked about on this. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Kev's already today. got his, his name on uh, McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Bednarik and McCarthy. Um, ultimately, that's one. Do those two deserve the hate? And then two is a little bit larger question of like, what's the balance between having giving an appropriate, healthy criticism towards players that we feel that need to be acting or playing that's a good better? Question. It is a very good question. I think it's only natural to uh, to have a scapegoat. It's, 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 it's just natural reaction. Just to, if you support a club, there's always going to be players that you you really like, your favourites, some players you don't like, and you're going to be biased about it. You're going to it's going to be influence you. And when you and you're perhaps the players you don't like, you're always looking at their mistakes more than you know, the players you really do like. So I think some of the criticism is is warranted for sure. When McCarthy you know fails to fails to save at his near post, or he comes out and kicks a straight, or fails to say criticism. that he's injured. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to get, get involved in that because that was just a, that was a car crash of a game, yeah. wasn't it? Even though it was a draw. Um, the Benrick thing, it's a strange one for me because he's long been Ralph's favourite. And there is a feeling that, you know, a couple of years ago, he was one of Sam's favourites as well. The, the way he was, you know, put his body on the line, Ralph's firefighter, as he was called him. I think the, where the issue comes from is that he hasn't really learned from his mistakes. It's similar to Stevens. It's the same player, he's making the same decisions as he, he is now than he was four years back. And I think that's where fans maybe get frustrated. You can also tell me better than I could, but it just looks like he's still making the same, so he's still scoring own goals, <laughs> deflected efforts, you know, he's he's getting out of pace in the channels, his positioning is quite naive at times. So, of course, there's, there's criticism, but like yesterday, there's a goal that, although he ended up 
flat on his backside. He wasn't solely at fault. And I don't know if I saw a lot of that or a lot of that reasoning on, on social media. So, yeah, it, it certainly needs to be balanced. And it's just it's just human nature at the end of the day. All right. It's the last and most important one of all. You're walking down late night in South, downtown Southampton. Uh, you've got one Saints player you can pick who's going to end up being on your side in a fight when you get picked <laughs> off. Who, who do you want on your Remain. side in the back? They have to be current. And who uh, who who do you want in a back alley fight? Well, yeah, first answer would be Oral May, wouldn't it? Uh, but he just seems like a too nice, too nice bloke. Mm-hmm. I would have said Fraser Forster if he was here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had last year, mm-hmm. so that was my that was my go-to for last year. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Shay Adams. I think he's just looks. He's he's thick set. I think he, he's quick, so he can. If he wants to run away, we can run away as well. <laughs> he's. You know, I, I like to think Shea as well, but yeah, Oral May will be the, the first answer, wouldn't it? Um, I've got a question actually on transfer policy. Um, our policy is uh, signing youth, building them up, and then yeah, seeing what they can do from that. But th- is this model successful in the Premier League? Because I mean, I don't know what the the, the plan is for Sport Republic and what they you know what they hope to achieve in the next three or f- three or four years or whatever. Is it just to you know buy these young players for a, for cheap, uh, progress, sell them off for a profit, you know, and and while treading water in the Premier League, or do they want to progress and do they want to get back to those days of the um of uh, Koeman and, and Pochettino? I think that's a million dollar question to ask you, Paul. Um, I think. If- the first option looks like it looks quite likely, judging by this summer and the direction of travel. They started last year with Brozier and Livermento. That looks like it's going to be one in terms of buying players between 17 and 23. When, when we did the, the Joe Shields piece, a lot of people that said it thought that was be the case. Buy players between 17 and 23, flip them over for a profit, reinvest. Whether that's sustainable and maybe you can stay in the Premier League, that's, that's a different, different question. Maybe with the better young players coming and growing, they can incrementally get better and better. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this the success of this summer is interpreted in years to come. Because if this is really good summer and all the players hit the ground running, Slams will continue this. But if they go down or they have a season where it's lukewarm, they might think, okay, we're still going to invest in young players, but we need we obviously need to some experience. We can't have a 27 year old James Ball Prowse being the granddad of the group for God's sake. So maybe um, this season will determine, or this summer, sorry, will determine how Samson's uh, policy happen, um, how Samson's policy is in the next years. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, I want to. I'm going to the to the fan forum, um, and I want to pose that question: Is in what's the five year plan? Is there a five year plan? Are they planning to to make a profit and get out? I mean, I I just don't know. I just want to know what their plan is if they are going to progress and keep and keep going, but. I don't think it's quite sustainable with all these youngsters. I just don't. I just don't see it happening, especially in the modern Premier League. A lot, of, a lot of teams are spending a lot of money, um, and if we've got the money there, you know, I, I would like to see those more experienced players come in. Also, it, it, it is a thing because I know there's an option of another player in instead of Lavia in the same position for the same money, and this guy was, I think he made a hundred first team appearances at, at a club. And he did he did go on to move to another Premier League club, but he was an option. And the fact they chose Lavia, who's who's not paid in the Premier League, is a risk. But they obviously have so much trust and so much faith in him being a being a better player than this, than this other player. 
So that's really interesting to see. And it is a huge gamble. But if this pays off, the, the rewards, not only financially, but the excitement at St Mary's, the league position perhaps, the take, taking other Premier League play, um, clubs by surprise, it's, it's vast. So that's, to, that's going back to the, the question earlier. This is something that's really exciting me ahead of the season. Well, that's good. One more question before we go into the predictions. Um, B team, uh, which player do you think is going to make the biggest Don challenge? Ballard. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I think he's really, really good. And um, I'm surprised he didn't go away to Austria. But he, I, I think another year in a B team. He's only he scored he's only two again yesterday. Like, yeah, exactly. I think another year in a B team where he can just score goals for fun is it, going to be immense. And hopefully we, we can see him maybe towards the back end of the season. It's like the time dribbling. Yeah, he's too. gone. And uh, I'm, 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 I, I, mean, yeah. I hear that Jimmy J. Morgan's being scouted as well. I mean, he's only he's very yeah. young. So I don't know, mm. you know, what his future is. But with Ballard, I, I think there's it, no rush in him, but he's a guy that's really excited about. Good, good uh, striker good head on young shoulders he's got a fantastic uh, group of people around him who will guide him and are sensible they're not trying to rush him to a, you know to either play in the first team or get him out and get him on loan I think it's going to take nice and calm but Ballard's someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing in the B team yeah me too uh, and also just quickly on the uh, on the women's team how do you think they're going to fare in the in the championship <laughs> well they've uh, they've started holding yeah. team, haven't they um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great it's great to see and I'm, I'm so so delighted like, going back to what I said earlier earlier about my passion for other aspects of the club this is brilliant that this is going to be on equal footing hopefully with the men's at some point and there'll be more games at St Mary's this yep. year hope there's going to be really good attendances and there's some players that were there last year that are still there and I think they can progress as well and, you know Caitlin Morris I'm sorry not Caitlin Morris Ella Pusey I think is really quite an exciting player um there's there's several new signings as well the new the New Zealand yep. uh, international you know that's a that's a big coup for Southampton who only turned professional this year so I'm hoping to cover these uh, cover the women in, in a lot more detail and hopefully we'll get something out in the next in the next month or so on this because yeah it's something that's really interesting and Slamton have made fantastic improvement and quick improvement in this in the last couple of years yeah and just um, they haven't played a lot of pre-season obviously because their game against Charlton was called off last week but they played today against Lewis yeah. who are also in the championship so that will be a good marker mm. um, I'll be mm. checking that out because they kick off at midday today I believe um, right then, uh, mm. predictions then. Uh, Tim, can you take some notes on these? Because I always fail to write them down and then I've got nothing to go back on and I don't want to go back and listen to our predictions. So, yeah, if you make a note with them and then remind us how, how wrong we are. Um, I'm going to start with Jacob and all of these because you're the guest. Um, so, Jacob, where are we finishing this season? Oh. <laughs> um, I've got to not be biased. I'm going to go 15th or 16th. I'm taking 16th. I would... Okay, I would love to say top twelve, and I, don't want to, I wouldn't rule that out. But just from last year to this year, yeah, fifteenth or sixteenth. Okay. Kevin, for you, if you've revealed your bone sixteenth, um, I think uh, I've got a feeling that everyone's going to go sixteenth. I'm going to say seventeenth. Uh. I, I really don't see where the goals are coming from. Uh. <laughs> and and you Tim, uh, nineteenth. No! Wow. no! Oh no! <laughs> oh dear, that to be you, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Tim. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't feel calm. I guess I'll explain since it is relegation. But I. I. I don't see us out of any of the teams who are current who currently stayed up last year. Um. What? Yeah. What the progression is. I think that we would be. A, we're going to be a fantastic championship team, and that we have the average. You know, the average age of our signings are below the age of 21. Um. But 
I don't see the thing about the thing about Premier League. The thing about that is you need to be able to, you need to stay consistent year in and year out, year in and year out. You can't necessarily do that when you have twenty year olds and the expectations of doing that is it's didn't, a lot. Um, so I'm, didn't I'm Alan Hansen say that? You said you don't yeah, win exactly. anything with kids. You don't yeah. win anything with kids. <laughs> that Alan Hansen said, and then Man United went and won the league. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, top scorer Jacob. Oh, James Will Prowse. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I'm not sure Slavs will get many goals, too many goals from open play, so I'm relying on Jason Prowse set pieces again. Okay, I'm going to go Adam Armstrong. That might be a surprise, Ooh. but I'm going to go for around 11 goals this season. So I'm going to take Adam Armstrong. You know, yeah, strange. I'll take that. Kevin, what about you? We'll probably finish higher than 16. <laughs> uh, no, it's just that. everyone else um, is going to score more, that's all. Yeah, I think, you know, our goals are spread all over the place, aren't they, mainly from, from midfield. So um, I'm going to say Prowse as well. Okay. Tim? Uh, yeah, it's Prowse. Oh, I'm the only one going away. Okay. Uh, Jacob, champions? Uh, Manchester City. I think they'll do it again. Now, I'm going to take Liverpool, based on yesterday. <laughs> I'm saying Liverpool as well. Uh, it will be Manchester City. Jacob, top four? Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea. Wow. I am going to go Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Liverpool uh, winning the league. Uh, City second, Chelsea third, and Arsenal fourth. So I've got City, Liverpool, uh, City, Liverpool. It's going to be um, Spurs, and then I've got not uh, and then Manchester United. No Chelsea. No, I think. I think they'll be. Oh, they'll finish fifth or sixth, wow. and Tuchel they'll 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 want Tuchel out. Wow, wow, that is that is bold, Jacob. Uh, relegation then, uh, starting with twentieth. Oh, don't make me say Bournemouth. <laughs> um, um, Leeds. Oh God, I'm gonna go, okay. I'm gonna say Fulham bottom, Bournemouth nineteenth, Leeds eighteenth. Wow, got okay, it. Okay, I'm go- I'm going. gonna take uh, Nottingham Forest twentieth. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry Jacob, nineteenth, uh, <laughs> um, and I'm going to go Leeds eighteenth. Fulham will make it, I think. Fulham seventeenth, and then Saints. I'm going Bournemouth bottom, um, then Fulham nineteenth, and Leeds eighteenth. You think Forest will make it, Kev? Yeah, yeah, they've got line of just. <laughs> okay, and just you, Tim. Uh, Forest twentieth, us nineteenth. And I think I did have another, I, I did have a normal, a regular team. <laughs> Liverpool. No, um, no, I had Brentford 18th. Oh, okay. I had Brentford 18th. So I, I thought Fulham and Bournemouth would stay. Okay. Jacob, this is an interesting one. Um, first sacking. Now, when I looked at this, I looked at the odds that who's going to be sacked first. And actually, Ralph was, was the favourite. But I'm not going to go with Ralph. But what what are you going to go with, Jacob? I think if... Depends how Bournemouth's transfer window ends up, but I can really, really see Scott Parker either walking away or, or going fairly quickly if the, the, their current squad is, stays like it is because it's it's woefully underprepared. But I think if you look at Frank Lampard, you just think you'll get yeah. you look like a guy that could could be sacked by October just the way Everton run. Uh, so I'm going to go for Frank Lampard. I did I did think about Lampard and Parker, but I'm going to go with Jesse Marsh. Okay, that's Michael too, and then me. You said Patrick Vieira last year. He's still there. I did say Patrick. Yep. 
I did say Patrick Vieira. I'm gonna say Brendan Rogers. No way. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Brendan Rogers. He's gonna get off. They're gonna get uh, Lester's gonna get a terrible start, and he'll be gone in early October. Wow. Another bold one. Uh, Jacob, who's winning the Champions League? Oh, I'm going to go Man City. Every year I say Man City, so surely they're year <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah, it's surely. exactly my um my thoughts. I always say Man City. It's gonna it's gonna happen soon, and I I think it will be <laughs> this year. They're they're gonna lose out in the league to Liverpool, but they're uh, focused on the Champions League this year. So yeah, Man City for me too, Tim. I normally end up saying Paris Saint Germain, don't I? But um, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with Man City again. So that well. means it's definitely going to be Paris Saint Germain this year then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess they'll be different, and I'll go with I'll go with Bayern. Oh, minus uh, Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Uh, I I think that they will be just fine. <laughs> I think they will too. Um, Jacob, uh, promotion. Who's getting up from the championship? Oh, I'm. I, I really I know everyone says it, but I think Norwich. Bad <laughs> start yesterday. Yeah, I know, but the way. The way they are, just experience, just the way they 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 go about it. It looks like it could be Norwich, but I'm I like really interested to see how companies Burnley gets on. I watched I watched them on Friday night, and they just look like passing a, a lot, completely yeah. different side. <laughs> yeah, they actually, actually passing on the floor yeah. as well, which and not take not having, not having their goalkeepers take free kicks from inside their in their half all the time. So that's that's really really quite a positive. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing companies Burnley and. Hopefully they can go up as well. I do. I do like. So you got Norwich, Burnley, and who's the who's the playoff winner? Oh, all right. I think it's going to be one of the teams that went down last year. It, I'm going to say Watford again. Mm, not dissimilar to mine, actually. I'm going to go Norwich mm. are going to be champions. Um, I'm going to go Sheffield United, um, and then I'm going to go Watford winning the playoffs. Um, in no particular order. Um, I'm going to throw Watford, Burnley, and West Brom. Oh, okay. They got a back-to-back sometime. All right. So initially, right when Burnley went down, I thought that they were going to be an absolute like stable point of the championship for the next five to ten years or so with company and a couple of their different signings. Uh, I think they're going to win. The I think they're going to pop right back up, and he's going to do something fantastic. Um, then secondly is what we're looking for. Uh, I am going to take the great team known Millwall. as... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I think that, and here is my truly bold prediction, I think Luton Town is going to take second. Wow. And then I think uh, I think uh, Watford will be probably Watford or Sheffield United, but I'm going to go with Watford is the is the playoff winner. So excellent. Um, right. Okay. So now a little bit of fun here. Uh, it's just over or under. So I'm going to give you a topic, Jacob, um, and a number, and you're going to tell me if it's over or under. Okay. okay. So last season we scored 43 goals. Over or under? Over. Mm. I'm going to go under. Under. You're going under. Uh, this is this is nice and positive, isn't it? A great start. <laughs> Tim, over under forty three. Under. Under. Okay. Uh, goals against. We we conceded sixty seven. 
got to be under. It's not sustainable. Yeah, I'm, I'm, go, I'm, going, yeah, I'm sure. going under. I'm going under. Kev? Yeah, yeah. Under, 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 under. Timothy? Uh, under as well. Uh, okay, goals then for individuals. Adam Armstrong, obviously two. Everyone's got to go over that, right? Yeah. Over. <laughs> Good. Over the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be all right. Anyway, um, Sekumara. Now, this is a tricky one because... I need, you know, you need to give him time to settle, and you know he didn't have many minutes. Um, we don't know how many minutes he's going to be guaranteed with. So, Jacob, I'm going to give you eight. Eight. Oh, um, under. Mm. I say under two. Yeah, I'm going to go under. That's the easiest under. Really? Okay, maybe I should take, take, take oh, it to five easy. then. Oh, oh, about the six that he scored last year. Yeah. Uh, okay, six then. We go six. You still, you still saying under, Jacob? I'm, I'm still saying under. I think there's a lot of responsibility for him to score that many. I think, yeah. First season, just let him bet him. Okay. But then, you know, how many did uh, Braver score last year? Six in the Premier League. Okay, Prousey then. 11. Uh, under. Mm. Under. <laughs> yeah, I'll go under. Bearing in mind, you picked him as your top scorer, guys. I <laughs> <laughs> He had 10 last yep. year. Is that correct? He did. Um... Yes, JWP. I mean the the odds are in your favor that something he'll get injured or something like that. So under is the, probably the correct answer. But I think ten or eleven is about right, especially as he's the is the, the penalty kick taker. Yeah. Uh, and Prowse assists. Uh, I'm gonna give you eight over. Ooh. I'm gonna go under. Under. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Salisu yellow cards. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go nine. I like to think he's learned a little bit more. Uh, under. Under. Yeah, I'm going to go under. Uh, yeah, under. We hope. Under it is. It is, okay. How many did you get last season? You got eight last season. I don't know. Ten, maybe? Uh, James Ward-Prowse, three kicks. I'm going to give you four. Over. Ooh. I'm going to... Can I take the same? You can push. You can push. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'm going to take... He's going to score four. Four. Yeah, that's a nice, some good numbers. I'll, I'll take the same. Uh, I will take three, but I will take under. Okay. Uh, wins, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> nine. Oh. <laughs> Can I yeah. say the same? I'll say the same. I'm going to go under. That's bad, isn't it? When you think of it. Yeah, I'm going to take under. Uh, Christ. <laughs> See how positive you're feeling, Kev. Uh, over. We're gonna we're gonna finish seventeenth, but we're gonna win ten or more games. <laughs> we're just not gonna draw any. Yeah, it doesn't quite work, does it? Tim, nine wins. Un- uh, under. Oh dear. Uh, points forty. Over. Yay! I'm gonna take under. I reckon. Under. And then everybody else is taking under. Yep. Under. Okay. Uh, clean sheets. Eight. Definitely under, surely. Um, I want to go over. Hey, new keeper and all. Back, back three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go the same. Yeah. On under for me. Okay. Uh, red cards two. Over. Yeah, I'm taking over. I'll take the same. Okay, Tim. Hmm. Good. Good one. Uh, I will take three. So over. Okay. Uh, and the last one. Penalties scored. I'm going to give you four, Jacob. Over. Uh, I'm going to take over two. Yeah, go uh, I will take a push. Okay. I think four. I'll take okay. four. Right, that is about it. Um, 
Jacob, uh, before we let you go, um, can I get a prediction for the Spurs game from you? Particularly the lineup. I want you to get, go through the lineup uh, and give me a score prediction also. Okay, so the lineup, I'm going to go 3 5 2. Bazunu, uh, goal, back three, Salisu, Bednarik, Bella Kotchap. Wing backs, Walker Peters and Perot. Uh, midfield, Lavia, Aribo, Walprouse, Strikers, Adams and Stuart Armstrong. Oh, and Mara off the bench. Yes. Okay. And a score prediction? I'm going to go 1-1. Oh, we'll take that. Definitely take that. We don't often do very well at Spurs, but yeah, right. that's great. I'll take it. Um, Anyway, yeah, I'm sure everyone is following you across social media, but for some reason, if they're not, uh, can you remind us how to follow you, Jake? Yeah, so you can find me on The Athletic for Santa's coverage, but also on Twitter uh, at J underscore Tanzo, and then that's the links to all my pieces and all my rambling tweets as well. So, yeah, Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, and I really, really look forward to, to checking out your stuff throughout the season. Uh, yeah, best of luck. Uh, really look forward to hearing from you again. Um, and any time you want to come back, if we haven't put you off, that is. Um, you're more than welcome. And I, I understand that you're um, you're going to be on uh, Total Saints. Yes, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, for sure. Um, anytime. I really, I really enjoyed today. But yeah, we'll be on the Total Saints podcast with with Alvi House on the Echo. Uh, we'll be swapping, or and maybe sometimes we'll be together as well. So looking forward to that. And you know, just discussing Slamton in general wherever Perfect. I am. Perfect. Thank you so much for giving up your time, Jacob. It's been amazing. Appreciate. It. Cheers, guys. Okay, then we turn our attention to the Premier League now. Uh, that's that's so good to hear. Uh, Tottenham next week, uh, Saturday, the 6th of August, three o'clock kickoff. And that is at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, biggest win against Tottenham at Tottenham was a 4-1 win back in October of 1897. Do you remember that, Kev? <laughs> yeah, of course. Like it yeah that was in the Southern League. Um, we've had a few 3-1s uh, over the years. January 1971, uh, Hugh Fisher and Mick Shannon with a double. Uh, 1990 FA Cup third round, 3-1 victory, uh, Letizia, Rod Wallace and Barry Horn. Um, and September 2003, a 3-1 win again, of course. Uh, James Beattie with a double and an Anthony Gardner own goal. Head-to-head then, Saints have won 65, Spurs have won 85, and we've drawn 51 times. Uh, before we get your uh, your preview, Tim, I've got a little bit of a, a quiz here for you. It's not much, but uh, yes, I just want, want to know where your mind is. Highest paid players in the team in the Premier League, uh, and the team's biggest transfer. No cheating now. I'm going to give you Crystal Palace. Highest paid player in so the Zaha. Yeah, how much? Uh, 180 130 Not a bad guess. Uh, and the record okay. transfer? Um, we'll go with Gui, Guehi, or 20, was it 23? No, for him? no, I will tell you. It's Christian Benteke, 27 million quid. Wow. So there we go. Um, so was that because he was from Probably. Liverpool? Probably. Yeah, he, he was good once. He could actually score. Yeah, when he was a bit, I remember Yeah, well. good player he was. Nice, strong, good in the air, good finisher. Yeah, we could have used him. I'd have taken him. <laughs> uh, Tim, right, Spurs then. How's it going to go? Shit. Right, and then <laughs> next week. 
Uh, going back, our probably our best game of the year was Tottenham away. If you ever got to take a look, please look at the highlights. The first half was the most ridiculous I've seen us play in all any game whatsoever. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. We had over ten shots in goal in the first half alone. Two late goals from JW uh, from from JWP um, Cross, yeah. Yes, from two from two late goals from JWP crosses with uh, for Muhammad Elianusi and Che Adams in the rain. Our friend Stevie was there. Shout out to him. He sent me some uh, some snaps from that while back, and I was completely jealous of that game. Um, but nonetheless, Spurs took fourth last year, 71 po- uh, points, qualifying for the Champions League un- under Antonio Conte. Spurs swiftly corrected their mistake by hi- of hiring Nuno Espirito Santo at the beginning, even though he got manager of the month in August of 2021 and brought in Conte in early November. From there, uh, this offseason, Spurs injected $150 million in capital to use for a number of signings. Uh, so the Conte way uh, going from there, they signed for most notably Ivan Perisic, uh, Eva, uh, Basuma from Brighton, uh, Richarlson from Everton, uh, Clement uh, Linglet from Barcelona on loan, uh, Jed Spence from Middlesbrough, and our boy Fraser Forster. Uh, on a free from us. Uh, the only two real notables uh, that are outgoing, number one is Steven Bergwijn from I- for Ajax, uh, and then CCV, Cameron Carter-Vickers, American center back, uh, is uh, after a, a year loan spell on Celtic, he, they did sign him permanently. But uh, they do still have, a, uh, since it's the, the, end, the, the end of the year, the end of the signing uh, period isn't over yet, uh, we are still looking at like probably a lot of outgoings from them. Um, definitely some more impending ones. Things that are people that are rumored for them are Sergio Rigulion, Giovanni Lo Celso, Joe Roden, uh, Emerson Royal, Harry Winks, Tenge Ndombele, uh, potentially Brian Gill on loan, and then Jaffa Tenganga, who we've been linked to every now and then oh, as yeah. well. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So those are the, those are looking for like the outgoing. So they're still um, to, so to us, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Some of those players might play, but I don't think they're going to any of them are going to feature primarily. Uh, so knowing Antonio Conte, he's got a traditional three five two formation uh, provides that he makes that they make the best of wing backs and pushes the fitness of all of his team to the limits. So what are we looking for when it comes to their uh, expected formation? Fortunately for us, for Charleston is suspended for one game for throwing a flare into the into the uh, into the into the fans. So that's fortunate for us. Yeah. So we've got um, so Hugo Ruleris going to start with their back three. Uh, you'll have Ben Davies as a left center back, Eric Dyer and Christian Romero. Romero yeah, Christian Romero. Uh, for uh, wing backs of Ivan Perisic and Matt Doherty. No Spence. Although it's spelled Doherty. Yes, no Spence will not start. Uh, he'll come on um, because and then you've got in the middle field two of Peh. So Pierre Emil Hoiberg along with Rodrigo Benzikur. And no then Sun Kane and Kulovsky, and uh, nope, and Kulovsky will uh, will be there. The subs, since we've got five subs in the year, things that I'll feature that I look to expect um, either in some part uh, because of the five subs, you'll see players on the bench who will definitely get uh, get on the field at some point. The Suma, Spence, and Lucas Mora are my three 
locks to to get on the to get on the pitch to score. <laughs> yep. What what is our key battle? Uh, well, it's literally just us against ourselves, and if we can handle a back three, uh, I do uh, predict that we will also be in a back three formation. And he was really good about. Um, uh, and by he, as in Jacob, was very great about um, looking to see what type of formation we would expect. I think what we lined up against Villarreal uh, will be great, except I don't think Mara will start. So seeing that uh, Bazunu will be our starting keeper, Salisu, Benaric, and ABK, uh, I think Gineppo will start, although that's not necessarily what I would prefer. I think Gineppo and KWP, I think it'll be uh, Ward-Prowse, uh, Lavia, Stu, Aribo, and I think Che will be the uh, the actual the starter up front. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all that's left is the predictions. So uh, I'll start things off then. Uh, I had this score written down a long time ago, as soon as the transfers were announced. Sorry, the fixtures were announced, and I haven't swayed from it at all. Um, and I know that some people in the Discord have said this as well. But I'm not changing it. I'm going to go a 3-1 Spurs win. That's exactly what I've written down. Oh, OK. Are you staying? <coughs> yeah, I think I'm going to stick with okay. that. Uh, I know that Alex is also going for a 3-1. And Tim, we already have your prediction. You said 9-0, didn't you? That is correct. 9-0 Saints win as Ralph licks the tears off of Antonio Conte on the, on the sideline. Okay. But, but really? No. <laughs> uh, 2-0 Spurs win. OK, perfect. I really like how Jacob's so optimist, uh, optimistic compared to us. Yeah, it's not it's not a great start, is it? I, okay, all that's left this week, then. Kevin, I've got a where am I for you. Are you interested? What if I say Then no? I will read it out for Tim. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, uh, so you understand um, the first clue was five points, the second clue was four points, and so on down to the fifth clue for one point. Um, where am I? Okay, so this city is 128 miles from St. Mary's Stadium. You'd be mad to go for that, right? Yeah. Um, and approximately 103 miles south of Old Trafford. Mm. You're deep in the middle. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, clue three for three points. Uh, one of the founding members of the inaugural Premier League finishing three points above the relegation zone. No. Um Clue four for two points, then. In the county of West Midlands on the River Sherbourne, if you know your rivers. Done. You want the fifth clue? Yeah, I don't Okay, uh, you'll get it on this one. Nicknamed the Sky Blues with a capacity of 32,000. Uh, yeah, Coventry. Yeah, Coventry City. And the name of their stadium? Oh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was named after the sponsor, isn't it? It, is. it um, was known as, the, it was it was Rico. as the Rico Arena, but it has changed. Um, it is now known as the CBS Arena or Coventry Building Society Arena. So there we go, Kevin. One point. OK. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I put the pressure on you there, didn't I? Yeah, well, at least I've got a score to better for next Yeah, that's true. Yeah. OK. Right. That is it for this week, then. Uh, next week, we will be back uh, for the Spurs game and we will preview uh, Leeds United at home. I return to St. Mary's. Um Yes, uh, my thanks to, well, our thanks to Jacob Tanswell for, for coming on today. Um, I will put all his details on the show notes. Um, so please go and follow him and, and subscribe to The Athletic for all his pieces um, and get on Twitter. And he's very, very active. Really nice guy as well. He, his, his DMs are open. So, yeah, so contact him 
Yeah, dick pics, uh, send them all away. <laughs> but yes, um, so from me, Kevin and Tim, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up my Southampton. Podcast Network.